Okay, good morning, everybody. Let's get started. Uh, this is Dave Vellante of uh, Wikibon. Welcome to the June 24, 2008 uh, Peer Insight Research Meeting. Uh, the topic today is how to reduce exchange backup windows, and uh, leading the call is Blair Parkhill, uh, who's a senior systems engineer from HP's uh, CFT group within StorageWorks. CFT stands for Customer Focused Testing. Uh, and Blair's been with uh, HP and slash Compaq for over a decade and has a very strong background in exchange backup and recovery and in general, um, as well as enterprise backup. And you can go to the wikibon.org homepage and under upcoming events, under teleconferences, uh, you'll see a link to the bulletin board that uh, has a, a link to a PDF that might have some good background material for you. That link is called Best Practices to Reduce Exchange Backup Windows. And then if you click in there, you'll find a white paper that documents a number of the details that Blair is going to talk about today. Um, as many of you know, the format of the Wikibon Peer Insight uh, goes something like this. I'll moderate today, and Blair is going to present <clears throat> excuse me, his overview of the exchange uh, backup and recovery project that HP initiated and share his advice for uh, customers on the call. Uh, as you know, this is an open forum. Anybody can participate and ask questions and have a voice. And at the end of the meeting, I'll do a brief summary, which will then post up on, on Wikibon within a couple of hours. And then we'll follow that up with additional analyses focused on user implications, as we do uh, after all of these meetings. So this meeting will last one hour and is being recorded. So uh, with that, I'd like to uh, welcome Blair uh, and turn the meeting over to him. Blair, thank you very much for joining us today. And I, uh, again, welcome to Wikibon. wonder if you could just start by telling us a little bit about the motivation behind the project and uh, maybe describe what the project entailed and, and what you learned. Sure. Well, thanks, Dave, and welcome, everybody, on the call. Um, essentially, when it came to uh, backup and recovery, my, my background is largely in, in um, enterprise backup applications and, and fiber channel networks to facilitate backups. And learned quite a bit there that, that uh, I was asked to apply towards Exchange. And uh, certainly Exchange makes uh, for a, a Tier 1 type of application that you want to constantly keep uh, protected. Um, it, it, you know, it's just something that corporate, corporations just can't live without. Unfortunately, the, the fact that email is uh, growing very rapidly presents a, an issue where, you know, you've got all this data, you've got to back it up quickly, and, and backup windows certainly aren't getting any bigger. So um, we, that's pretty much the, the premise behind the project, is how can we reduce some of those backup windows and introduce maybe some things that we can exploit in the new version of Exchange, which is Exchange 2007. Uh, we do have a Service Pack 1 for Exchange 2007, but really that doesn't change a lot with respect to, to the uh, backup uh, of Exchange. So there are four, you know, major topics that I wanted to at least put on the table, and one was uh, some effective techniques to shorten the backup windows for Exchange 2007. Um, the, the next is a quick look into Volume Shadow Copy Service for for uh, Microsoft Windows and Exchange. Uh, some of the trade-offs between disk versus tape, uh, and lastly, what are some of the the best practices that I'd like to at least consider when implementing a, an enterprise backup solution for Exchange. So uh, to get started on the uh, the you know the the topic, um, I've got about 15 minutes worth of uh, material here to present. I would you know expect that we'll have some interaction, so it'll probably space out uh, to to a good hour. So feel free to interrupt. I'll try and cover all four topics because I believe we got good material in, inside of each one. Um, but if we don't get to all of them, I'll do my best to at least update the Wikibon to make sure uh, that the, that the information is out there and certainly. As Dave said, it's in the white paper. <clears throat> so to get started, um, those familiar with Exchange uh, know that we have uh, at least one concrete method that's been used uh, for quite some time, and that's the streaming, uh, the ESE Online Streaming API for Exchange. Um, and this API isn't really known for its uh, capabilities to be very high speed when it comes to backups. And a lot of this has to do with the way the data is read out of the Exchange database. And uh, as pages are, are streamed to tape, they're, they're uh, verified and, and um, uh, validated before they're, they're put onto tape and before uh, logs can be truncated. 
so the the streaming API certainly makes for a, a great uh, Exchange online aware type of solution. Problem was with Exchange 2003, uh, we were limited to four storage groups within Exchange, and storage groups kind of represent uh, an, an area where our databases live, um, and it's a it's a consolidated area where the transaction log files live for each of these databases. Um, it also represents the volumes in which we create on our servers uh, that we put these storage groups onto. So uh, typically in Exchange 2003, you would see four four volumes for the storage group databases uh, and another four for the log files. And typically we, when we look at the large files we're backing up, they live on those storage group volumes. With backup applications, um, you can stream concurrently uh, based on the number of uh, volumes that you're putting your storage groups on. For example, in Exchange 2003, four storage groups would live on four volumes, uh, and the backup applications were typically savvy enough to be able to stream uh, four Exchange backups concurrently. Uh, and a lot of times uh, we'd see people using something like NT Backup, and they would uh, have four concurrent streams to disk or uh, uh, sometimes even tape. If you're using other applications like Backup Exec, Net Backup, a Data Protector, uh, most likely those could be going to tape. So streaming backup, uh, while a popular method, has not changed uh, in, in the upgrade to Exchange 2007. Um, and uh, Microsoft calls this a, a deprecated or a de-emphasized part of the solution. Um, so they're not changing anything with ESE Online Streaming API, which pretty much means we shouldn't expect to see any better performance as we're reading the data out of the databases. So some of the the, the, the ways to hurdle this limit the limited backup window uh, and this lack of performance from, from uh, an API such as the Online Streaming API is to use concurrency. And essentially what that means is uh, you're backing up multiple storage groups or multiple databases at the same time uh, concurrently and in parallel. Uh, and then streaming those to uh, the, each of those concurrent streams to tape or disk. Um, and essentially what this does is allows us to do a lot of work in parallel and multitask a lot of this work uh, and essentially allow us to get through these backups a lot faster. So with Exchange 2007, um, we are afforded the ability to get up to 50 storage groups and essentially 50 volumes to put those storage groups on. And again, what that means from the backup application is that we can do up to that many concurrent streams uh, and really realize the, the true potential of, what, of the, what we're reading from as far as a volume perspective and exchange database perspective. So, um, so concurrency is a good thing, provided that uh, your systems can handle that. And we'll discuss that a little bit when we go into the disk versus tape uh, discussion. So um, some of the testing that I had done was to look at the number of storage groups and, and create concurrent streams based on those storage groups. If I represented a model that we typically see in Exchange 2003 with four storage groups and uh, essentially four concurrent backup streams, um, typically uh, good performance was uh, around the, oh, the 250, 300 gigabyte per hour range. Um, and that uh, that was pretty much the same same deal with Exchange 2007. When we did four concurrent streams using the same ESE online streaming API, we'd see somewhere between 250 and 300 gigabytes per hour as our best performance. Um, so the theory was if we could do more concurrency, we could get better performance. So uh, we take something like four streams, uh, and and we look to essentially stream uh, those those uh, concurrent streams. Uh, for example, 16 storage groups was another test we had done. So again, somewhere between 250 and 300 for four concurrent streams. If we went into the realm of 16 concurrent streams and essentially 16 storage groups uh, all being backed up in parallel, we went uh, up to about uh, 620 gigabytes per hour which was a, a pretty big leap um, for an Exchange database to be able to back up that quickly. Um, and again, it's, it's not that Exchange is feeding data any faster. It's just that we're just pulling more streams out of, uh, the, out of the Exchange database um, and, and writing that to disk or tape. Now, most of the testing I had done was writing to disk. The reason being is that uh, in most enterprises, you're not going to have the ability to uh, or the, the budget to buy 
um, that many disk drives. And uh, one of the things that I like to advise customers on is that not to multiplex uh, your backups. Uh, and a lot of a lot of times we see with tape devices, the only way to get concurrent streams to a few tape devices is to do multiplexing or the interleaving of data, um, you know, multiple streams of data onto the same media. And essentially that causes a very long restore. Um, so we'll see a lot of customers using disk because you can provide multiple uh, volumes, uh, a lot more volumes than you could uh, with tape in a cost-effective manner. So with 16 streams to 16 uh, FATA volumes that we hosted on a, on a HP StorageWorks Enterprise Virtual Array or an EVA uh, 6000, we were able to get that 624 or 620 gigabytes per hour as we stream it to those disks. Um, because the, uh, the EVA virtualizes uh, its storage on the back end, um, the performance that, that we got was essentially from that, that pooling of disks that we were carving those volumes out of. Um, so since I was able to get that same performance, uh, you know, regardless of the number of volumes I carved out of it, one of the things I wanted to try was, okay, if we have 16 storage groups and we want to stream that to uh, four FATA volumes as opposed to 16, and essentially what we're doing is we're streaming four storage groups to a single volume, not multiplexing, but essentially creating four backup files on that FATA volume. We, we essentially realized the same performance with um, an array like the EVA. So the, the, the moral of the story here is, is with Exchange 2007, take advantage of storage groups. Um, use more. Keep your database files smaller. So, so if you do need to just restore a single database or a single storage group, uh, you can do that much quicker uh, from tape or from disk. Um, and uh, also, with more storage groups, you get that uh, ability to do more concurrent backup streams. Um, so that's, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, Blair, I wonder if I could just interrupt you and ask you a couple questions. Just so yep, absolutely. Clear on, um, maybe, maybe start with just the, the sort of configuration that you're using. You mentioned you had uh, EVA 6000s. I believe you're using that as the disk, the disk target array, correct? Correct, yep. yep. So what was the main uh, exchange store? Um, so essentially we were using the, the HP Blade servers connected to a fiber channel uh, network, and uh, the primary storage was on an EVA 8000. So uh, the EVA 8000 uses uh, fiber channel uh, drives. Uh, these were 300 gigabyte uh, 10K RPM drives, I believe, and we were hosting a 5000 user, uh, one gigabyte uh, mailbox per user uh, database. Uh, okay. the, the EVA 6000 was uh, full full up with the fiber or the uh, the EVA fiber channel FATA drives, which are the lower cost, high capacity drives. Those are what 500 gigabyte. Uh, at this time, they were, I believe, yes, 500 gigabyte. Okay. Uh, and then you used a, a an HP tape library. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I used uh, an ESL712E for the LTO tapes that I used for the, the physical tape backups. And we the backup application was what? Uh, NT was backup for uh, for Microsoft Exchange, or, or NT backup with the Exchange um, uh, aware backups, the ESE online streaming backups. And I also uh, used Backup Exec to familiarize myself with the, the VSS uh, backups for Exchange. So um, I did do the same types of backups to disk with something like Backup Exec and uh, certainly realized a lot better performance than, than uh, NT Backup. Okay, so you, and it sounds like you ran a, a number of combinations of, of, of streams to uh, devices, be they disk or tape. Uh, you mentioned you gave some examples of, of, of four streams to four disk drives and then 16 to 16. Uh, as well, and I think I read that you had a, a number of different combinations. There was a 32 to 32 disk, and, and right. And so one 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 thing about that is that uh, there is going to be a point of diminishing returns where your where your server is going to work too hard to move that many streams. So uh, essentially, if we if we jump into backup exec and and look at uh, backing up from backup exec, we with 16 streams we're able to get. Uh, over a terabyte an hour from Exchange using their VSS uh, integrated uh, Exchangeware backups. 
As soon as we went to 32 streams, that number went down to about 860 gigabytes an hour. So uh, you can you can kind of get the feel that uh, the server at that time is just moving too many streams. Uh, it's working a little too hard, and we're losing some performance there. Okay, so you're, you're describing a phenomenon of, of diminishing returns unless you uh, pay up and add more server resources, which you, you ostensibly would want to avoid. Correct. Yeah, and and at this at at that point where you're looking at 32 streams, you know, you're any if you try and build that server up anymore, you're you're getting kind of to a, a more of a unrealistic, inefficient type of system. Um, so uh, yeah, you'd in that case you'd probably want more servers than more resources per server. And that inefficiency is because of the complexity to the 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 storage admin, or just you can't yeah, take I, advantage of those. I think it has a lot to do with uh, the fact that, that you're optimizing your server for the Exchange database, um, and you're you're pretty much pushing it to its uh, backup limits. Uh, the the return on the investments, if you were to add resources beyond, you know, to be able to handle more streams, I, I think you, the the diminishing return still happens. It may not be as abrupt though. So um, it, it's just a, a matter of of a server with too many tasks, and I really don't believe that, that more CPU and memory is going to get you a whole lot more. And uh, Optimizing somewhere around the 16 streams is probably going to be an ideal situation. Okay, so, so you, you started with uh, imposing the Exchange 2003 storage group limitations of four, mm -hmm. and you said it was 250 to 300 gigabytes per hour. That was four streams to four disks. And correct. you also you also tested those same four streams to tape, correct? Correct. Yep. I wanted to see uh, if offloading the the processing and the and the uh, the caching uh, from the server as it's doing those writes to that that uh, target media, I wanted to see if if the tape devices, which are known for doing a lot of that offloading and that compression, could uh, enable a better performance. And essentially, we got. Uh, uh, a little over 300 gigabytes an hour. So it wasn't a big uh, jump in performance, but certainly freeing up some of those resources as we're doing those backups uh, is a well-known uh, well advantage of the physical tape. So, so, so the physical tape was actually faster than the disk in that instance? Right, and, okay. and yeah, you would consider that, that uh, because you're offloading and, and compressing the data as it's being laid onto tape, uh, you're reducing the amount of resources required by the Exchange server um, to do the the writing, and um, can therefore apply a little bit more to reading out of the Exchange database as it's laying it down to physical tape. Um, okay. And when, we, when we get into the disk versus tape, we can kind of talk about uh, what the impact the disk-based backups have on the server. Okay, and we're talking about a. Uh, uh, uh for a 500 gigabyte database, you're going to complete a backup in what is it? A couple hours, um, roughly. Uh, correct. I think with tape we were looking at about an hour and a half, uh, and when we were using disk, we were looking at a little less than two hours. Okay, so so comparable, but a little advantage to tape. And now, did, as you tested the other scenarios, was tape consistently? The higher performer, or did that change when you, for instance, went to 16 and 16 uh, um, streams? Yeah, so I didn't do that many streams of tape one uh, because it's it's tough to find that many tape drives to be able to perform those backups too. And a large part of the testing that we had done was with NT backup. So uh, NT backup uh, is not very nice with tape. Um, it, it works with Windows Server 2003, um, but it's very kludgy, and I wouldn't really recommend using NT Backup for tape. Uh, much prefer using NT Backup to disk, so we didn't get a lot of tape uh, in that scenario. When we did the Backup Exec, however, that's much more adept at tape, um, I, I pretty much pushed it up to uh, the 5 terabyte exchange database. Um, and tried to do 10 streams to uh, 10 physical tape devices. Um, so essentially, I'm I'm throwing uh, five storage groups down uh, to one tape uh, serially, as opposed to in parallel, which would uh, imply using multiplexing. Uh, using that method with 50 storage groups, five terabytes to 10 uh, LTO3 tape drives with backup exec, I was able to get uh, over a terabyte and a half an hour.
So it would be five terabytes in about three hours. Okay. Is it safe to say then that you're recommending if, if customers are trying to exploit 2007 greater concurrency that on balance they're going to, you, you would recommend using a disk to disk backup approach for performance and reliability or not necessarily? Not necessarily. I think uh, for one, it depends on the application. If you're using NT backup, certainly uh, stick with disk. Uh, and that is a very popular method for exchange administrators to back up the disk. Uh, that way they own the backups and then the uh, kind of the enterprise backup uh, administrator can come and back up those BKF files that NT Backup creates. That's a pretty popular enterprise method, one that Microsoft uses themselves. So uh, if you're using an application like Backup Exec or Data Protector or uh, Net Backup, certainly they're much better for tape. If you've got a lot of data you need to move in a short amount of time, um, then, then tape certainly provides for a suitable uh, solution. Okay. Thank you. So what about, uh, you mentioned VSS before, Volume Shadow Service. Can you explain briefly what that is and sure. what you learned there? Yeah, uh, VSS is actually a, a pretty clever uh, and a pretty innovative um, idea from Microsoft. We've struggled in the past as a, a solution organization or an industry um, where we're trying to create uh, online exchange backups using um, open file type of technologies uh, for exchange and snapshot technologies for exchange. Uh, the problem was uh, you'd have a, a volume or a storage provider um, that needs to talk to the application being exchanged, that needs to talk to uh, a backup application like Data Protector or Net Backup, something like that. Um, and there was never really a common framework for them all to talk together and coordinate the the exchange backups. So Volume Shadow Copy Services provides that framework for. Uh, your volumes or your storage to uh, to talk to your exchange database to put it into a backup state uh, and also uh, you know initiate that whole sequence from a backup application. So uh, the the application we call it a requester. The the uh, exchange application we call the writer because it's where the data is being written from, uh, and we call the the uh, prov the um, storage component the uh, the provider um, the the uh, the VSS provider. So um, there can be hardware providers from the, the storage companies or software providers from the software companies. Um, so essentially those three components uh, now allow a backup application to set the, the frame and the stage for all of those components to work together and create a uh, snapshot of the exchange databases and then we turn around and we back up that snapshot to disk or tape. Okay, so the advantage there is you could do sort of continuous or near continuous. You could take backups of a, of a, a passive database. Right. right. Now, now the the continuous is uh, you know that's debatable um, because uh, there are solutions that allow us to take multiple snapshots over time. Um, but in most of the, the the VSS solutions that are are pretty solid and robust. They're essentially just creating a snapshot in, in, in order to move that to uh, disk or tape. And then they're essentially blowing away the snapshot um, and not really using it for a, you know, a, a more of a continuous data protection solution, which is another topic that we could fill up an entire uh, hour with in and of itself. Um, but one of the, the nice features of VSS uh, is that with Exchange 2007, we have something called uh, continuous replication, which is host-based replication between two Exchange servers. Uh, and VSS allows us to uh, back up the active database exploiting the VSS framework, but it also allows us to back up the replica that Exchange has created. Um, and the VSS is really the only way you get to back up off of the replica that's, that Exchange is creating. So. Um, some of the advantages of that. Now, uh, some of the things to watch out for when we start talking about volume shadow copy services is that it's a very serial uh, type of method, um, meaning that if you if you go for high concurrency backups like we've discussed before, um, VSS has a tough time uh, chowing down on uh, a lot of requests all at the same time. Uh, it's very serial, so it'll take the first request uh, complete it, respond, take the next request, complete it, and respond. Uh, and if that, uh, if you've asked or made a VSS request uh, and you can't get back to it uh, in something like 10 seconds, 
then it considers that to be a failure within the, the VSS snapshot. So we've got to be careful with concurrency when, we, when we're using VSS. And if we want concurrency, we essentially have to make sure that we offset a lot of our backups. So uh, back up uh, a couple storage groups, wait five minutes, back up the next. Uh, and you can stream them all to tape concurrently, but the process of creating the snapshots needs to happen in a more uh, offset type of scenario to uh, reduce the chance that you might time out on that VSS command. Okay. Uh, so how about disk versus tape? Uh, yeah, that's... That, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and especially, uh, you know, we still have customers on Exchange 2003 uh, where we have the 32-bit limitation. Uh, essentially, the limiter is that we can only use 4 gigabytes of memory. Um, and uh, we have 64-bit that opens up the doors on, on some of the memory. But in the past, uh, we, we had to be very careful about how we used memory. Um, and one of the things that I noticed in Exchange 2003 testing and even some part uh, Exchange 2007 on 64-bit testing is that when you create disk-based backups, it does put a substantial amount of overhead on the server itself. Um, basically, the, the, the reasoning behind it is if you're going to have a, another file system that you're going to be creating a backup set on or a backup file on, um, you've got file system management volume services that that need to kind of maintain the file as it grows um, and, and kind of uh, set aside cache and things like that to enable that backup to happen or that, that, that uh, file to be created. Um, and one of the things that we saw on, on the disk-based backups, is, and this was a, a very big impact in, uh, in um, Exchange 2003, was that uh, that CPU and memory overhead uh, during disk-based backups could be uh, very large if you if you ended up with something like larger than 20 gigabyte backup sets. For example, uh, NT Backup, when it backs up, it creates a BKF file. Um, when that BKF file got very large, then you'd see uh, memory and CPU consumption just grow rapidly. Um, something like Net Backup, uh, that I think it's a BAK file that it creates. Um, and also, when that would get above about 20 gigabytes, you'd see the memory and CPU skyrocket. Uh, and, and when that happens, you essentially are going to slow down considerably on your backups. So, uh, one of the so one of the concerns with disk-based backups is that you do take on additional load on your on your servers that would otherwise be offloaded with something like physical tape or virtual tape. Um, one more thing to add in there is that there are ways of of mitigating that and. Uh, to give an example on a test that I had done with net backup, uh, it allows you to set a fragment size. So when I'm creating a backup file, uh, net backup will say, okay, as soon as that file gets to a certain size, I'm going to close that file uh, and then create a, a new file and continue with the backup. So what what we saw on on the uh, memory and CPU resources were uh, as the as that file grew, we would see memory and CPU grow as well. Um, and things that we were looking at was uh, the kernel memory or the page pool memory on the Windows server, uh, as well as uh, CPU load. So as soon as that file was closed uh, and it moved on to the next one, we would see all of those resources free up. So um, if you can keep that, that kind of sawtooth pattern of growing and then releasing and growing and releasing uh, to a manageable size where you're not really taxing and taking too much memory and you're not taking too much CPU, uh, backups get done quite a bit faster. Um, we've had some, some good uh, enterprise success stories from, from performing that type of modifications with the backup apps. So, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly one I would, I would recommend trying. Um, NT Backup, we saw them, uh, Microsoft adjust NT Backup to uh, stop uh, buffering data as it's being written to their disk targets from, from Exchange. And, uh, that was uh, a method or a, a line or a variable we put into the backup script with a slash fu, which essentially stood for file unbuffered. Um, and freeing up that buffer and, and kind of bypassing that buffer allowed us to lay down data much faster and not eat up so many uh, memory and CPU resources. Ours um, is one of the few industries where fu stands for file unbuffered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always gets a rise at the at the forums we do too. So. Um. <laughs> so I wonder if we could talk about this and see what people are seeing in general. Uh, um, it was seen the the big advantage of disk to disk backup is that you can initiate backups with multiple streams to the 
same target and not have to worry about spreading the data across multiple you know, pieces of, of media, taking advantage of, of, of course, of disks random access, right? Correct. Um, yeah, and and that uh, I've got to predicate that with the fact that uh, on on something like EVA, where your storage is virtualized in one common pool of spindles, you know the performance that we get from from uh, multiple disks comes from uh, the grouping of disks that that we have. So the more spindles you have, the more performance you get. And with the EVA, you put together all the the spindles, you get that performance, but then you carve out. Uh, virtual disks or volumes from that group of spindle, from that large group of spindles. So essentially, what you get is is the performance for all the spindles and the capacity from that which you carve from it. So on something like an EVA, you can you can reduce the number of backup targets that you have on disk um, and, and still get the same performance. So I, I want to make sure that that's pretty clear. Right. Okay. You're saying that the, the, because you're virtualizing a pool at the at the back end. Is that right? You're, you're uh, striping the uh, the pool across multiple disks. Is that right? You're striping the pool across multiple disks, um, but you're carving out the capacity um, and presenting LUNs, um, which and all those you can have multiple LUNs on one pool of disks essentially, and they will all get that that uh, performance from the the grouping of spindles, um, and you can set the capacity based on how you present the LUNs. So and, and the main advantage of, of tape is going to be, if, if, if I understand correctly, is is it's going to be the fastest elapsed time technique if you put in a lot of tape drives and sort of ignore the cost. Is that right? Or yes, c correct. I mean, the tape technology today is is uh, you know uh, much faster than than moving disc. Um, you know, a single a single tape device can go up to a uh, hundred and you know, 60 megabytes per second, and that's that's phenomenal. It takes a, a large number of disks to get that type of performance. Uh, and also with the fact that, that uh, physical tape compresses data, which gets you more performance uh, and offloads some of that CPU and memory processing. So, yeah, physical tape does have its place, especially, uh, again, if you want to uh, move your... your um, your data off-site. I mean, it's very, very hard to do on on uh, spindles or, or disks, uh, and much easier to do with, with physical tape, and that's a big reason why tape is still around. Um, Blair, Blair, this is Nick Allen. Sure. I had a question on the tape. Yep. Benchmarks. In the PDF, say with 10 drives, you were able to read about 1.3 terabytes an hour, and you just also mentioned a figure of 1.5 terabytes an hour. Across ten LTO drives, yeah. go maximum sixty. So you were getting one point three to one point five out of a maximum of terabytes an hour. Yeah, out of ten drives, and and those drives weren't even uh, being pushed all that much. Uh, to well, their that was that was my question. Is you yeah. cautioned against multiplexing? How were you able to feed one point three? Where was the bottleneck? Uh, the bottleneck here. Um, let's take a look. Uh, the bottleneck is certainly, again, was not the tape drives. It was not the infrastructure or the fiber channel infrastructure. Uh, it was primarily the, the server and the ability of the, the server to stream data that fast. Uh, I believe that if I would have had more than 10 streams, I probably could have gotten uh, greater than that uh, 5 terabytes in, less than, or in about 3 hours. So uh, I didn't get to go beyond 10 um, Tape drives. My theory is that somewhere between 16 and 24 streams is going to be pretty much your max limit. And I, my theory is that if I go beyond 10 to like 16 streams to physical tape, that I may realize a, a even better performance with Exchange. And that would be with backup exec, not a backup, right? Yes, uh, certainly a backup application that's uh, well suited to, to manage tape and manage where where data exists <coughs> on tape. And in all this testing, did you test any restores? Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to do a, a bunch of, of testing. Um, one of the problems that we saw with NetBackup was, you remember the point of diminishing returns. Uh, when I got a little uh, sadistic on, on uh, what I was trying to get out of NT Backup, uh, moving to that 32 streams uh, essentially crushed the server. Uh, and uh, what we saw was NT Backup got very confused about where data existed. On tape, which made it, or on disk, which made it very tough to do restores. Um, so we didn't get to do like uh, you know a 16 stream restore. 
to to realize the the benefits of that level of concurrency and and the, those types of restores aren't quite as common in in uh today's enterprise as as just restoring a single database or something like that to extract a user's messages or or documents that they've lost Blair this is Fred Moore I just uh listening to your your conversation there I assume you're only talking about backing up to straight tape as opposed to an integrated virtual tape library with the disk array in front of the library because in that case you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, you yeah, know, where you're kind of caching. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, the integrated VTL is really the uh, the panacea for straight tape in this example. And, uh, you know, not only does it save a lot of tape resources on the back, but it dramatically improves your recovery time because yeah. that data on that disk buffer for three, four, or five days. So uh, I'd love to see what Exchange could do in, a, in an integrated VTL situation. Right, where you're caching kind of to, to the disk and then and then uh, potentially getting it to tape if you need to get it there. Yeah, later on, you know, three, four, or five days, typically in an integrated VTL, the data then will move to tape if it hasn't been right. accessed. And, uh, you know, every study we've seen for years would show 95% of the recoveries occur within 24 hours after the problem occurred. So yep. your recovery most likely will come from disk. Absolutely. Are there integrated VTLs that will support exchange environments? Well, so, I think that's a question here is has anybody ever ever done this? And, uh, you know, since the files are smaller, I mean, tape does outperform disk. You know, certainly as the bigger the file gets, the better the tape performance becomes. But... Yep. For small files, an integrated VTL should be outstanding because you right, do have but, the random access to the disk. But you've got to remember that we're talking 100 gigabyte files for a, for a 50 storage group, uh, one gigabyte mailbox for 5,000 users. So right, and, and then if you have if that's what those are, then you can send those straight to tape. Right, and and that's essentially you know why why tape works uh, pretty well here for yeah. for exchange. Um, but the the integrated VTL it, it's a it, it's a great idea and kind of one that uh, is is representative of the the exchange administrators using NT backup to get to disk and then allowing the backup operators to move it to tape. Right, it just um, gives you the best of both worlds for yeah. backup. Exactly, but I would challenge the fact that uh, VTL could outperform physical physical tape in this type of solution. Um, just well, for because, small files, the integrated VTL would do that on disk. Yeah, uh, small files uh, would certainly, you know, uh, even, I think even more so on the restores. Um, exactly, on a certain size file, then, you know, the bigger the file tape gets more uh, beneficial, but for small files... right. Access time takes longer than it does to find it on disk and restore the file. Absolutely, and and for you know uh, d databases that may like for example exchange transaction logs, uh, but typically we're not we're not really restoring uh, you know uh, a few transaction logs. We'll we'll be doing a lot of transaction logs and typically one database to to replay those transaction logs into. So um, that that very large database certainly su suits tape well, um, but uh, you know again. I think a lot of the a lot of the customers today are choosing to use use disk, um, and one of the uh, one of the benefits to Exchange 2007 is that you can use uh, c cluster continuous replication uh, and allow your passive Exchange server to perform the Exchange backups uh, without impacting your active server. So it it gives us that uh, non-disruptive type of backup for Exchange. So is that your your recommendation? I mean, having sat through a number of let's say vendor meetings with dedupe vendors, you know, uh, uh, touting you know the merits of disk-based backup, uh, um, the notion that tape is of a higher performance is sort of heresy. But I think is is it fair? The community agrees that in this type of application in exchange, very clearly, tape is going to you know outperform disk. If that's really your if your RPO is critical, that's a, that's the way to look. But Blair, I'm curious as to, you know, given the trend toward disk-based backup, is is what you're recommending or or seeing in that regard? Yeah, well, you had to bring up dedupe, didn't you? <laughs> um, I know we only uh, have 20 minutes left. I had to bring yeah, it up. Yeah. Um, well, it, to to address the 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 uh, other question that you had about tape versus disk, I think there's going to be uh, a break point, you know, certainly for very large uh, exchange databases where you're going to have large EDB files and a lot of data backup, uh, with a little time to do that, tape offers itself as a very, uh, very good solution for doing that. And unfortunately, because we don't recommend multiplexing because of what the impact it has on recovery, um, it's tough to get 
16 LTO tape drives dedicated to one server. Uh, typically, that's that's shared between many servers, and backups typically happen around the same maintenance interval uh, in the evening. So it's it's very difficult to get that number of tape drives dedicated to a single Exchange server, and and therefore I think that's why we see a lot of disk-based solutions for Exchange. And, and remember, an integrated VTL is a disk-based solution with tape on the back end. Correct, and that is something that the you know the HP. Virtual library system uh, is capable of doing where you can back it up to the virtual virtual library and then uh, have it uh, auto migrated to the the physical tape on the back end. Okay, so there are there are integrated solutions for Exchange for integrated uh, uh, VTLs for Exchange. Is that correct? Is that what I'm hearing? But, yeah, I mean, uh, the, I take off the for Exchange part. Uh, they, they don't they aren't Exchange aware, but uh, certainly uh, would support doing Exchange backups to them. Um, and uh, the, the the big benefit um, to kind of reference the the dedupe is that uh, with those types of solutions, not only do you get uh, kind of the the benefits of a virtual tape where where you can present multiple uh, virtual tape drives, uh, you can get good uh, small file restore performance. Um, but with the virtual libraries, you also get dedupe, and you also get that back end move to physical tape. So, uh, yeah, it's it's very solid solution for exchange. Um, one thing to caution you on with with dedupe is that dedupe essentially takes a look at at the the you know depending on the solution you go for it takes a look at the file or the blocks uh, of the data and it tries to eliminate as 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 much duplication of patterns that that you can. Um, so the patterns in exchange are something that you're going to want to make sure your dedupe vendors are aware of. Uh, in a lot of cases, they're going to say, yeah, dedupe works great um, for you know, some set of files or for some type of database, but certainly want to make sure that they can tell you that, yes, uh, we've taken a look at exchange data and it dedupes very well, uh, or, or it doesn't dedupe well at all. My, my assumption is that with, uh, with the amount of compression that, that you can get out of exchange uh, data you know, via attachments, um, that that it would dedo pretty well. Um, you want to be careful of uh, you know the if you've got vendors that are saying they dedo you know a very large percentage of the data. You want to make sure well was that actually a, a real database? Um, you know to to be able to determine uh, if they were if they basically took the the same messages uh, and populated. Many tera or you know a couple terabytes of exchange data with the same messages, you would imagine that would dedupe much more than um, a very sporadic type of uh, exchange or typical exchange organization. So Does anybody have experience with with dedupe and exchange on the call? I'm sort of hitting hope, but or any visibility or talk to any customers that that, that have done this? No. Okay, no. but your assumption is that it would. Work pretty well, right, Blair? Yeah, yeah. Typically, uh, again, because of a lot of the word attachments, the PowerPoint attachments. Uh, you know, if you're a company that that sends a lot of that information back and forth, I would expect you would see uh, a high level of compression. And compression and dedupe, while they're not the same thing, they both kind of uh, operate under the the same kind of technology, where you're looking to reduce repetition. Um, and uh, and and um, you know, so I know that Exchange databases typically in the past have been very compressible for most organizations. If you send a lot of JPEGs or compressed files, certainly you're not going to get that level. But uh, typically we see Exchange compressed very well, and I would expect it to dedupe uh, pretty well. Okay, so in the time remaining, how about maybe some best practices or advice that you'd give for administrators? Sure thing. Um, well, for one, I, I kind of uh, touched on it before, but uh, I think with Exchange 2007, we're going to see data, you know, mailboxes grow pretty rapidly. We're seeing that uh, adoption of larger mailboxes uh, grow in the customers that we dis we talk with, probably not as much as Microsoft would like to see, but uh, or HP as a storage vendor. But I think my first and foremost would be keep the EDB files, keep the databases to a manageable size. Um, and, and try and make use of the storage groups that are made available to you uh, to get that level of concurrency for backups would be my first best practice. Um, the, the next best practice for, for me in a backup environment is to monitor the server workload. Um, so so if, you're, uh, if you're going to use concurrency, 
um, and you've done something like 10 streams or something like that, look at your server workload, look at the memory, and look at the CPU, uh, most importantly, uh, and, and, and take note of, of how much resources those use. Uh, and, and if not a lot, try using more streams and, and keep monitoring that workload because you can work yourself into a very efficient uh, type of solution. Uh, for Exchange, being a transactional database, the third best practice would be keep, a, keep an eye on those event logs. Um, yeah, Windows event logs for Exchange are, are very good. Uh, you can actually get a very good feel for what's happening during those backups. Um, you know, does log truncation occur? Um, uh, things like the backup for VSS has started on a particular database and it's completed on a particular database. So uh, watching those Windows event logs for Exchange give you a very good idea on how healthy the backups are and also the process that they go through. Uh, and lastly, if you're afforded the luxury of having uh, an enterprise array that has the ability to capture uh, the layout that, that exists on the array, for example, with, the, with something like the EVA, we have a tool called SSSU. Uh, and with that utility, we can capture the array's configuration. So uh, how many disks have we put together to make a disk group? How many volumes have we carved out of that disk group? And uh, the worldwide names of the hosts that we're presenting those volumes to, all of that stuff can be captured into a script uh, with SSSU. And what we do is we get a lot of customers who um, will back that data up along with their, their exchange data. So should something terrible happen, uh, they lose an array, they can, they can uh, you know, uh, put together a, or, or get a new array on the floor, um, fire the script at it to basically carve the array up exactly as it was uh, at the time of the failure, um, and then start your restores. And that can shave off just a ton of time when you're talking about bringing up a, um, you know, a site that, that didn't have any replication going on or things like that. So uh, probably four of my, <laughs> my you know, highest best practices for Exchange 2000. Uh, so I wonder if you could give customers maybe some rules of thumb there. For, so, for instance, database uh, exchange database files, um, keep them to manageable sizes. I mean, what's a manageable size in, in, in your mind and a good yeah, rule of thumb? Yeah, good question. Um, I think uh, you know Microsoft's recommendation, if you're not using replication, is no more than 100 gigabytes. I think uh, you know somewhere between 25 and 50 gigabytes is probably for for an enterprise is probably going to be a, a pretty suitable size. Um, one of the, the things, though, is that if you're going for, you know, one or two gigabyte mailboxes, um, it may be tough to uh, to keep it to that, that size. So if you're using very large mailboxes, you know, one or two gig, then you might not have the ability to keep those EDB files so small. But uh, if you do uh, and you'd rather spread that across multiple servers, uh, you know, keep them 25, 50 gigabytes because I think today's current disk and tape technology would allow us to restore that uh, pretty quickly. Okay, and and in terms of you know server workloads, I mean, what are the things that people should monitor there? Um, yep. You know, now um, with 64-bit, um, I'll say that you know, oh, let me start with 32-bit. Uh, pool page bytes are is essentially kernel memory. Uh, and when you're doing tape backups, um, that is the, the pool that is used to, to move a lot of that data from its source to its destination. Um, and uh, Microsoft said no more than 180 megabytes of pool page bytes being used um, before you start to, to see some, some significant impact on the server itself. Uh, CPU, um, you don't want your Exchange servers to be above 80%, 90% at worst case. Um, so those are the two things that I'll typically watch um, because in the past those have been my bottlenecks. As I move into Exchange 2007, which is 64-bit, that allows me to, to populate it with much more memory. Um, it, I Typically your, your kernel memory isn't as much of a limiter, but keeping your eye on it helps you to understand you know, the difference between moving something like four streams, 16 streams, or 32 streams. And, and uh, while it's not going to cause negative impacts on the server, uh, you know, for example, when in, when I went from 16 streams uh, using NT backup, my CPU was, you know, on average around 40 percent or or less. Um, when I went to 32 streams, um, we saw processor. I'm sorry, processor is about the same. It's it's kernel memory that that gets used quite a bit more. So. 
for for kernel memory on the 16 streams, I saw less than 150 megabytes being used. For kernel memory on 32 streams, concurrent streams, I saw kernel memory at the let's see here. I think it was about the 400 megabyte uh, range. So you're looking at a very large jump between 16 and 32. And what that tells me is that I've impacted my server in a way that causes it to work much harder. And while that might not be a negative impact, you certainly get a good feel for, okay, am I starting to push the limits because that growth is going to become a little more exponential. Good. Okay. Thank you. Um, anybody have any other questions for Blair or comments before we uh, wrap up here? Uh, what's your next one going to be? Um, well, CFT, uh, we're, we're taking a look at um, uh, some of the uh, virtual library dedupe stuff. Um, we're going to be looking a very, I think the, the, the biggest priority now is to look at restores. Um, and if we use physical tape, if we use disk, uh, we want to know what's the restore. I think even more importantly from a VSS perspective, what are the restores like? Um, so, yeah, via, uh, restores are going to be very important for us moving forward with respect to backup and recovery. The other very important thing that we're going we're to take a, a, a jump into is when we're using VSS, since that's a volume-based type of snapshotting, um, what happens if we put multiple storage groups on a single volume? Um, and that is some of the, the testing that, that we're going to be looking at here in the future. Is your gut feel that uh, restores would run at about the same speed as yeah, that's the that's the gut feel. With Exchange 2007, VSS restores allow you to restore to many more places as well. So uh, those are some of the things that, that we want to take a look at. But yeah, the gut feel is that the restore should be about the same. All right, good. Well, thank you very much, Blair. That was excellent. And when, when, once you do that work, we'd you know be happy to have you back to sort of share your findings uh, with the community. Cool. I'd appreciate that. And uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Fred Moore and David Floyer and Nick Allen, who contributed today. Appreciate your, your comments and your questions. So, um, let's see, unless you guys object, maybe we call this Best Practices in Exchange 2007 Backup? Sure. Sound reasonable? Okay, so, uh, so let me summarize. Oh, before I do that, I want to let everybody know that we plan to do a limited beta of our new website this week. Um, a lot of new features, a lot of social networking capabilities, new look and feel, um, some nice rating systems for, for articles in the wiki. And if you're interested in seeing an advanced preview, we'll, we're going to open it up to probably, well, certainly less than 100 folks you know, this week and next. But if you're interested in seeing a preview, you can email us. Just send a note to... Uh, feedback at wikibon.org, and uh, we'll shoot you a link. We'd love your, we'd love your, your feedback. And, sure, uh, yeah, and I'd, I'd like to participate, uh, you know, in any dialogue that we stir up with, with this one on the wiki. Good. Okay, so um, this is Dave Vellante. Today is June 24th, 2008, and this is the Wikibon Peer Insight Storage Research Meeting, and the topic today was best practices in exchange 2007 backup. And here is the summary. Uh, back in 2007, uh, in October 2007, HP's CFT group, Customer Focused Testing Group, uh, started a project to understand the best way to reduce backup windows in exchange 2007 environments. Uh, HP correctly anticipated that users of exchange 2007 would increase mailbox capacity and, as a result, uh, cause exchange servers to host a larger amount of data. And, of course, users will have more data to protect with no more time to perform backups. And so HP wanted to find uh, critical ways to reliably accelerate backup processes. So the basic premise of this peer insight really is that by taking advantage of HP's testing efforts and leveraging its recommendations, exchange customers uh, can improve, uh, check that, can make better technology choices for their uh, specific environments and, and improve backup performance and speed implementation of new processes and reduce their implementation risk. The project involved configuring Exchange 2007 using HP uh, Blade servers and the EVA 8000 as the primary Exchange 
uh, data storage system, and the EVA E6000 as the disk-to-disk -disk target array. Um, and the test was also, uh, oh, that, sorry, the array was configured with SATA drives, and then an HP ESL712 tape library was used as a dedicated backup and rest uh, restore device. Uh, the primary uh, testing was done on NT backup. And the system tested Exchange 2007 servers hosting 5,000 users with one gigabyte mailboxes. HP ran a number of tests to determine the effect of concurrency on backup performance using a variety of combinations of X number of concurrent streams going to Y number of, of disks or tape drives. Uh, so HP started off by wanting to understand the core differences in the streaming API for Exchange 2003 versus 2007 and also determine the degree to which 2007 enhancements could be exploited, namely the ability to support uh, more storage groups and, of course, have greater con concurrency during backups as a result. So what are the most effective techniques to, ex uh, to reduce exchange backup windows? Uh, the HP testing found that, in general, using more storage groups in Exchange 2007 will allow for greater backup concurrency, which should provide for faster backups. But increasing the number of storage groups also could increase complexity for storage administrators and in some cases degrade performance, particularly if, if uh, server kernel memory becomes overtaxed. Uh, HP found that reducing the number of storage partitions, i.e. sending multiple streams to a single disk volume, was actually quite effective and did not degrade performance. Uh, and HP was able to do this without the need to interleave data, which of course would negatively impact res uh, restoration performance. Uh, when imposing the storage group limitations of Exchange 2003, that is four storage groups, HP found that tape devices were more efficient and could achieve higher throughput relative to disk-to-disk -disk backup. And in general, this was true uh, across a variety of workloads HP tested. Um, but in particular, four concurrent streams to, to four tape devices using hardware compression and data buffering allowed the backup of a database to be completed in about an hour and a half versus nearly two hours using uh, four disk devices. Uh, so, but on balance, increasing the number of storage groups and concurrent streams and using disk-to-disk -disk backup is going to yield the best performance for NT backup, but backup executive customers uh, and uh, uh, data protector, net backup users, et cetera, may find better performance with, with tape, particularly in exchange environments with uh, the large file sizes. Uh, these improvements, however, are not linear, and users should be aware that increasing the number of storage groups and concurrent streams can tax server resources and increase complexity. Uh, we talked about Volume Shadow Service, VSS, which is a facility to allow point-in-time copy of open files and databases, and Microsoft has improved VSS support in Exchange 2007 and simplified its use although users need to be cautious because VSS uses a serial method and concurrent backups of the same storage group would be prohibited if certain criteria are not met. Uh, but VSS offers options to users that are looking for a, a passive database backup where a replica of the active database can be created and backed up on a separate set of disks, which would, uh, of course, reduce contention for storage resources. Um, what are the trade-offs between using disk versus tape in exchange? Uh, the most important advantage of disk-to-disk -disk backup uh, is that they can be initiated with multiple streams to the same target and not have to worry about spreading data across multiple pieces of media. And this takes advantage of, of disk's random access approach and keeps recovery times acceptable. Uh, but disk-based backup introduces substantial server overhead due to file system management needs, and CPU and memory overheads can be significant in, in larger backup scenarios. And the main advantage of tape is it remains the fastest elapsed time technique in these environments. So if RPO is crucial, customers should consider putting in lots of tape drives and ignoring the costs. Uh, with multiple tape drives, recovery is potentially enhanced due to the multiple streams. 
Uh, the, we talked about advice for storage admins. Really, Blair shared with us four key best practices that emerged from this project. Uh, first, larger is not necessarily better. Uh, the recommendation is keep Exchange database files to manageable sizes of around 25 to 50 gigabytes if, if possible, and use more storage groups and volumes where possible. Uh, two, monitor server workloads to make sure that the backup job is not overtaxing server resources. So, for example, keep page pool memory below 180 megabytes for optimal performance. Uh, three, watch the event logs. Windows event logs are, are quite good and provide excellent visibility on activities such as log truncation and, and just general backup health. So pay attention to the event logs. And four, uh, if your array supports it, back up the disk array configuration data. This will accelerate restoration in the event that the array needs to be uh, replaced. That'll save a lot of time. Action item. Exchange 2007 customers should rethink backup and restore processes and take advantage of support for increased con concurrency and simplified point-in-time copy facilities. In general, the more concurrent streams made available during backup, the faster backups will perform. However, users should balance these benefits with cost and complexity, or the cost and complexity of increased concurrency and storage group management. So thanks very much. Look for the pieces to be up on Wikibon. Uh, this summary will be up certainly within the next couple of hours, and then within 24 hours we'll have uh, four or five other uh, research notes up. Thanks very much, everybody, and we'll see you next time.